Welcome to the 34th episode of the Hail Mary podcast. I'm A. Toves, and I'm joined by my husband, The Toves. We're back to preview our football home opener against Houston and the Alamo Dome this week. Let's get started. Before we get into talking about Houston and the game preview, UTSA dropped their depth chart for the first time this season. What were your thoughts? Any surprises that you saw there? Um, I thought, first of all, I thought it was interesting that they actually put some positions on, on some of these, uh, or it kind of were more exact on positions. Like, um, you know, they had, uh, I believe we on the safeties, they actually had free safety and strong safety. In the past, they've only, I think, said safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of put, like, with the linebackers, they, they put Jack in there for Jamal Ligon. Interesting because the Jack linebacker actually is more of a pass rush specialist. Also, run stopper, sort of just the probably the position that he's been playing all along. But now they kind of, it seems like they're almost kind of hinting at the fact that here's one of the wrinkles they're going to throw in there is yeah. kind of send Jamal maybe on some more uh, blitzes or, you know, uh, use his pass rush ability. So, surprises in terms of like, I think players, uh, I would say you had Cephas at punt returner so that was kind of cool i think you know he should be able to provide maybe a little more explosiveness yeah uh, to the position um and then trey moore over jamori robinson's kind of interesting though i will say that we've heard a lot about trey moore there's been you know certainly quite a bit of buzz about his play during camp and you know i don't think it's necessarily a knock on jamori i think it's kind of like i mentioned before it's it's sort of the Monty ginobili effect right it's Hey, somebody may get a start, but the guy that's on the the backup may end up finishing out the game, and that's really what everybody's gonna care about, right? Is who finishes out the game, who comes in and you know makes that big play at the end. So, I, I thought it was an interesting first two deep. Also, knowing that there's probably some guys out there that uh, you know are, are probably dealing with some things, you know, injuries, whatever it is. One of the things that kind of stood out for me is that we knew in the left tackle position that there was still going to be this battle between, well, we thought there was going to be a battle between Tatavu and Meech for that starting position. But the thing that no one really talked about in any of the interviews was that Ben Rios was also kind of in the mix for that position. And so he's listed as an or for that left tackle position. What did you make of that? Well, I mean, I think Trailer did bring up the the thing about the two tackles, the, the two Central Catholic boys uh, coming in and, and playing really well. These guys are massive. Like, <laughs> I mean, once Meech and Makai Hart graduate, we've got two big guys coming in and doing some damage here. So mm-hmm. it is going to be interesting. I think they're just going to be put on the two deep, at least for now. I certainly don't think that they're going to try to burn their red shirts. So, again, it may be just because of the fact that we've got some injuries, and so they're trying to sort a few things out, and they initially get put on the two deep. I think as the season wears on, it's going to be hard to see them still being... I hesitate to say still be out there on the two deep, but you never know. That doesn't mean that they play. Mm-hmm. It just means um, that certainly uh, they're going to have that opportunity. Because the other thing to remember, with at least with Ben Rios, is yes, he's a freshman, but Trailer has said, at least with the offensive linemen, he doesn't want to be changing those guys. Right. That that is a stress for him. I, I just don't see them, you know, bringing in Ben at any point and you know forcing him into you know some sort of bad situation like playing against UAB or something. Right. That that not that that couldn't happen, but certainly not something that we want to stunt his development with. 
All right, so let's move into kind of talking about Houston and getting into the game preview. Sure. Why don't you start with, you know, the last time we played Houston, some of the thoughts on that last game that, that you know, really kind of stuck with the UTSA fans in a good way um, and how this could kind of impact what we see in the Alamo Dome this time. So, I mean, you got to think about, to me, when you open up a new stadium, it's kind of like a homecoming game. You, you try to find a winnable game. So Houston scheduled UTSA. I cannot remember everything leading up to it. I know that we were potentially a decent team, but, you know, for the most part, I think it was just knowing that uh, there's going to be a lot of new players, new faces. So, honestly, I didn't blame Houston for doing, you know, scheduling sure. UTSA. Yes, <laughs> that was right after Eric Souza had um, graduated, right? So we were going into 2014 with a new quarterback, weren't we? <laughs> Tucker Carter. Tucker Carter, yeah. <laughs> I kept telling everybody, it's Tucker time. That's uh, right. But no, but seriously, uh, you know, so you don't blame Houston for doing that. You know, they, they were a good team at that point. It's like, of course you're going to, it, it's UTSA. It's their fourth year of existence. And <laughs> UTSA goes in there and knocks them around. So it's like just kind of, you know, blows them off the ball, you know. Uh, and slugs out a 27-7 to win. Now, I think it's big for UTSA fans, and it should still be big for Houston fans because, you know, you remember, and it's you in your record your books. You remember your first. Exactly. You remember the first game. What do we remember about UTSA? What does everybody usually say when, it, when it's like the, um, the donor of the game? They talk about that very first game when there was right. 56,000 in the Alamo Dome. It was kind of like we were opening up the new... New uh, stadium. We're opening up this new football team. That's what we remember. What happened? We won that game. <laughs> a new stadium on campus for Houston, and they open up against a fourth-year team, and they lose. Now, yeah. And they didn't just lose. They really they got blown out, twenty-seven to seven. So, yeah, certainly, I, I think maybe this current team you know, obviously in the back of their minds, but certainly something that, you know, has to leave a bitter taste for some of their fans, even though they don't want to admit it. You, like you said, you remember your first. Yeah. That's certainly something that has to kind of be rolling around thinking, maybe this is the time to kind of get it back. I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the the narrative, but I wouldn't blame them if they kind of felt that and admitted it afterwards if they if they win. Yeah, I mean, going into this series, it's interesting because, again, we've had two blowout losses, and the away team has won. 2013, Houston won. 2014, UTSA win. So, um, UTSA won. So it'll be interesting to see, hopefully, again, that doesn't continue to be the narrative, but um, there's a lot of pressure going into Houston in this game, and I know we're going to get into the game predictions later. But, you know, just to kind of set the story for Houston, they are a year away from going into the Big 12, which is huge for that program. There's a lot of pressure on Houston this year. They are picked to be the top G5 program potentially. You know, preseason they're picked to be the the top G5 program and potentially go to, you know, a year six bowl. So they've got that pressure on them. And then... Their second game of the season, they're looking at playing Texas Tech, who was able to surprise them last year, um, and you know they really played very poorly against Tech. So there's a lot more pressure, in my opinion, on Houston going into this game, but 
let's get into just talking about what they have and then we can finish with our predictions on the end. Sure. And just to add a little bit to what you were saying there was the athletic um, had a question about who were the teams that might be frauds. And they put down Houston as one because they felt like their schedule was kind of light. So that was kind of funny because, you know, you're talking about UTSA, um, a, a tech appearance again. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I don't see them as frauds. Yeah. I, I think they're a very good team. Um, and, I, and I think that it's what I think UTSA, or at least hope for UTSA to be in five think, to ten years, yeah. honestly. Uh, you know, if you're really looking at how Trailer is leading this UTSA team, this is where we want to be in about five to ten years. Well, and essentially, loaded. we're replacing Houston in the AAC, so... Right, right. The goal would be... Mm-hmm. Years down the road, being able to make that move from you know group of five to P five, assuming that there still is a P five. Right, and but also having that opportunity to I think have the type of inroads that they've made, um, and really, when I say inroads, I'm really talking about the funding that they've put together. Um, our athletic department still needs much more funding. Still needs you know we'll probably still be battling NIL. We'll still have all sorts of things. I'm sure it'll be a little bit different, but you know certainly something to look forward to. That doesn't mean that Houston necessarily is unbeatable. But I think to set the stage for Houston, first got to start talking about Clayton Toon. Mm-hmm. Clayton Toon, uh, we had heard a few things about, and you know, honestly, I, I didn't think much of him at first. But turns out in the story of Clayton Toon, Houston fans, I don't say Houston fans, maybe the Houston football team didn't think much of him at first. Sort of the afterthought. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of Frank Harris in that, you know, you were hoping that Frank could come back from injuries and, you know, make a good, successful UTSA career. Look at these two now. Clayton Toon is now the starting quarterback for the number 24 Houston Cougars. Frank Harris is, you know, the quarterback for the defending Conference USA champs and potentially hoping to take UTSA again through another season in which we potentially end up ranked. So, you know, got to be proud for both of those guys to essentially kind of you know, turn around some of the naysayers, Frank, in Frank's case, me, <laughs> early on. But, you know, I, I say that and I'm glad I'm wrong about Frank. And I think Houston's going to be glad that they're wrong about Clayton Tune because, you know, one of the things that Clayton Tune is, fifth year senior, had a great PFF grade. I get that PFF grades don't mean everything, but he's a smart quarterback. He's got a good arm. He's really more of a short to medium route thrower. So we're uh-huh. talking about. You know, we're talking about short routes. We're talking about zero to ten yards. Um, medium routes are eleven to nineteen. So we're not talking like he's going back and like really throwing deep a lot. And that's really what this Houston offense is really based on. It's kind of you know just trying to get that ball out, get their wide receivers in some space, and make some plays. Kind of sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of sounds like what UTSA wants to do, right? But I think one of the things that separates Clayton Tune is the fact that he's sort of a situational scrambler. Like again. Smart quarterback because he's not trying to take off all the time. He really wants to, if he's got a slide and out of pressure, he will, and then he'll take off and just make some, you know, timely runs. So I think when you think Houston, especially the offense, it all begins and ends with Clayton because he's the one that's going to go and really start this offense and really get some of these playmakers in really in rhythm. And, you know, obviously it can be a pain for, you know, the UTSA defense slash Jess Lepp couple of names to think about in terms of playmakers you're talking about tank dell he's a short wide receiver he's now moving into the inside which i think is where he should be Mm -hmm. and i think that that's where that 
Houston coaching staff has really kind of hinted at, you know, wanting to put him. So they went out and got some transfers and now are able to put Dell inside. And this is going to put some pressure on on uh, UTSA's defense as we're going to have our, see like our nickelbacks, maybe our safeties having to go up against Dell. He really makes a living on short to middle routes, kind of like Tune, right? Mm-hmm. We just talked about the routes that Tune throws. So, you know, I think being inside, that's something that he's going to feast on. Um, we also have Christian Trahan, which is um, their tight end. He's more of a short route runner. Looks like he does more, most of his catching, like, really, I would say, middle of the field, which is kind of interesting. Either it's like they're getting some screens or something going, but, you know, when you're looking at where he's catching that ball, some a lot of it was also behind the line of scrimmage. So, really interesting. Maybe it's shovel passes. Again, I didn't really watch a lot of Houston last year, but... I knew what Clayton Toon was capable of and got to at least see some of their defense, which we'll get to in a second. One of the interesting things about their wide receiver room is that this was one of their areas that they kind of looked at as a weakness last year. Um, And when you look at the amount of receptions that Tank Dell had, I mean, he was carrying, when you talk about a workhorse in terms of like the running back, he was the workhorse in terms of the wide receivers. He had the bulk of the receptions and then Christian Trahan had the second most targets. Um, what they've done in the offseason is gone out and tried to get some of these P5 players or bounce backs, as you'll hear Holgerson refer to them, um, from um, you know different places and bring them in as transfers. So they have Sam Brown that they brought in from West Virginia, um, Joseph Manjack they brought in from um, USC, um, and then they're very excited about a freshman four-star recruit, Matthew Golden, that they've brought in. But again, these aren't receivers that have a lot of time and experience with Clayton Toon, unlike what you're going to see with UTSA. Right. And I think that's one key to remember here that, like I said, that's why it begins and ends with with, uh, with Clayton Toon, because you know if he's able to get in rhythm, if he's able to really start developing that relationship early with his receivers... I think then things kind of start taking a different different tune in the game. All right, so with the running backs, here's where they're just going to do kind of a running back by committee approach. And again, interesting because, hey, who's doing that too? UTSA. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities going on here. Obviously, the offensive schemes are going to be a little bit different, but certainly interesting that they're going to be essentially sending quite a different type of running backs out to, um, out to rush the ball. Yeah, their star running back, um, McCaskill, apparently had an ACL tear um, at some point in the spring, March, April, and so he's expected to miss the majority of the season. They do have a returning running back, uh, Tajon Henry, who has played some snaps, but again, he, you know, McCaskill was their workhorse last year. Tajon is very short; he's five seven, so it's very <laughs> interesting. Uh, you'll you'll be able to tell when he's on the field. Um, and then again, they went out and got a, a transfer in Brandon Campbell um, from USC. Again, not a lot of playing time, you know, really to look at from Campbell, but, you know, expect to see a rotation with those two. And then they have a, um, another player on their roster that they're kind of expecting to see sort of three running backs kind of rotating through. Which brings us to the O-line here. They only have two returning starters, left tackle Patrick Paul and right, right guard Tank Jenkins. Here's another thing to kind of keep in mind because I think the key is going to be um, is going to be the UTSA defense, especially their line and maybe some of the linebackers coming in versus this Houston 
offensive line. This is where t- both teams sort of have some questions around how things are going to, you know, I guess really go. Cause their yeah, strengths, how they're going to gel together. Because yeah, their strengths are going to be on some of the other, uh, in the other positions where we're going to see the UTSA offense, which is much stronger. And then you have a Houston defense that's the stronger part of the unit. So let's go to the Houston defense. All right, let's start out with the defensive coordinator. He's a rising star. Uh, Belk has done some really good work there while he's been at Houston. Um, you know, I think, of course, when you start being a rising star in G5, right away, everybody's going to start wondering when, when you're going to leave, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure that at some point, you know, he's going to he's gonna probably either bolt for a P5 defensive coordinator position, or maybe he finds a G5 position at head coach. Uh, but, you know, I think you, it starts with... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing because it's called Sack Avenue, defensive line. Yeah. I'm laughing because it's ridiculously good. <laughs> These guys, um, I was looking at some of their grades and I was looking at some of the things that were being talked about. I mean, some of these guys, even in their limited time, people are, are seeing them as some big-time contributors. And that, I can see why trailers staying up at nights where Matt Maddox and Will Stein are probably like trying to figure out what they can cook up to slow this defensive line down. You got DeAnthony Jones, who's their sack leader. He's also probably one of their better pass rushers. Nelson Caesar, excuse me. He's expected to take a big step up, but I also think that he's also, he's a very good pass rusher. So you're looking at two good edge rushers coming at us. I know that there was a concern about left tackle, um, especially for you know UTSA. But I'll say this right now: I'd rather Frank actually be able to see Caesar, as opposed to um, not not seeing him from his backside. Right. So I feel a little a little bit more confident there, even though that that is a question mark on the UTSA offensive line. Now the defensive tackles are quite the dudes. Um, Wonko was a really steady guy. And I pause there because he seems to be going to be a force. And a lot of people are talking about the fact that he's going to be this uh, really this immovable force at times. He is most likely going to be lined up right in front of Maka. And if not in front of Maka, he's probably just going to be off to the side, probably on KD, KD slash Maka's gap. So that's going to be something to watch out because if they have to double team him, this is going to get a little tricky because mm-hmm. now you're kind of starting to go more one-on-one with some of the other defensive linemen. So um, certainly going to be something to watch out as, you know, the game goes, uh, trans- <laughs> transpires. All right, so that brings us essentially to linebackers. I think the linebackers are pretty good. Uh, we really didn't write down too much about them because they're really not the stars. It's Sac Avenue. Sac Avenue yep. um, are the ones that are going to bring all the pressure. But another thing to kind of look at with this Houston defense is their secondary. And that, I think, is what scares many of Houston's um, analysts, many of Houston's fans, because even though they don't have star cornerbacks, they still have guys that have played. So, you know, it, it's kind of like UTSA secondary in a way where there's some guys that can actually, that have seen action, maybe just not that starter action. And that's okay. Like, you know, you can get by. Um, yeah. I mean, they're replacing two cornerbacks that were drafted in the NFL. So that just tells you that last year, especially when you look at their stats, you know that they really had a strong, you know, a strong secondary. And now you've got guys that have played, they're, they're in the rotation, but 
are these guys that are two NFL quality cornerbacks that we're going to see on the field at all times? Probably not. Right. And so that, that kind of just comes up with the UTSA cornerbacks as well, right? Like, you're not thinking of these of any of the UTSA cornerbacks as NFL draft level, but that doesn't matter. These guys could are still good. And I think with Houston, it's just the the unknown. Right. Are these guys, you know, can these guys stay with this talented UTSA wide receiver trio that we have? I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second. The last thing we want to mention with special teams is just that they're replacing their, their kicker, kind of like we are. They're replacing a kick returner, kind of like we are. So, you know, it's... There's so many similarities, and it's just kind of fun kind of having walked through this whole thing about Houston because you see some similar stories, you see some similar, you know, gaps in some of their players, but it's a talented Houston team, and I, and I think, you know, it's it's going to be a hell of a game out there on, uh, on Saturday. So, here's what I got in terms of some keys. Offensively, UTSA, I think, is going to be need to be efficient in their possessions. They're going to have to stack some yards, get some first downs, and not necessarily kind of slow down the game, but I think just, you know, really just make sure that they get the most out of each possession. And especially when they get to the red zone, they need to get some points. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we'd love to take some deep shots down the field and, and really kind of, you know, I think mix it up on the Houston defense. But I think that all kinds of, op- that everything's going to open up if they continue just to be efficient. And, and I think Frank can do that. Defensively, I think they just need to play smart. I, you know, they're going to get torched. You know, it, it's not it's not like any team can just go out there, feel the defense, and like have like a performance like we did against Rice last season when we held them to like about 100 yards of total offense. Mm-hmm. They're just going to have to take take the punches. They're going to get torched at times. And they just, just kind of keep their heads up high and just come back and, you know, get back at it. UTSA's defense can make enough stops against Houston's offense. I, I don't think that that's necessarily a narrative that that seems unreal. The question really is, is can we keep our heads in the game and make sure that we continue to play smart and just limit big plays? I mean, that sounds so generic, but I think against this, you know, the, this Houston offense, that uncertainty they have at wide receiver kind of leads us to, uh, you know, just make those stops. Just... Mm-hmm. Just make sure that they don't get those big plays and don't turn in like broken tackles. That I think is going to be huge. And I think UTSA can make enough stops. I think Houston's um, offense is going to you know do some damage. But look, every season starts with a bunch of hope, right? It's it's just it's what we love about any sport, you know, because it's not a blank slate. Everybody's got a chance to do anything within a season, no matter how good or bad they look like in terms of their roster. I think this is going to be a back-and-forth game. I think, you know, you're going to have to be prepared for a game much like UAB and and, and, and Western, Western Kentucky. Kentucky. Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't get, this, get that word out. But um, where it's just going to be kind of a sl- sort of a slugfest going back and forth. Um, you know, th- this is a good UTSA team. It's, I think, a little bit slightly more talented Houston team. So it's just going to see who's got the answers early on. I will say this. Jeff Trailer's previous two teams have come out with energy, with passion, and they've fought their opponents, smacked them around. I know it was Texas State and Illinois, and I know this Houston team is better, but I don't see this UTSA team coming out and being any different than those two teams were. 
Maybe they're they're going to be excited to not only start their first game, but start their first game in the Dome. Yeah, I was going to say, because those last two games that you mentioned, Texas State and Illinois, we were playing on the road. So this is the first time trailer is going to open in the Dome. That's right. So I don't see that trend ending here. I think they're going to come out with a bunch of energy. I think there's going to be plenty of people in the stands, no matter how many are there. (laughs) I think UTSA is catching Houston at the right time. You know, in... If it was later in the season, I think there's much more worry. I think that they have enough questions to answer, just like UTSA does. But I think we've got Frank Harris. And, you know, I, I just going to trust in Frank here. So give me UTSA 40-38 to 38 and an upset. A Jared, a Jared Sackett walk-off. Ooh. All right. All right, before we go, let's talk some UTSA soccer. Women started out the first four games... I felt like they came out really tentative against um, Houston Baptist Mm -hmm. that first half. Then they brought the energy in that second half. They weren't able to get anything, uh, any goals in, but uh, I thought they played much better in the second half than they did the first. Coach Pittman said about the same. Beat up on Texas Southern, which was kind of a given. You know, they're not as strong a team. Seemed like they got some, you know, got some other players in the game and were able to kind of work a few things out there, which was great. Did get to watch them play their first road game against AM Commerce. And then AM Commerce is actually a pretty good team. I thought the ladies came out and they were playing smart, they were playing steady. And yet again, they scored off a set piece. They did it against um, AM Commerce. They did it against Kansas State, which was the third win of the season. Called it. Yes, you did. First P5 victory. You called it in our preview. And you know, again, kudos to you. I, I wasn't ready to like say anything about it, but then you said it, and I was like, "All right, we'll go with it." And we're we're uh, obviously uh, you've been seeing watching some soccer, you've been uh, getting into it, I'm learning, <laughs> having some fun with it. But I thought that was another great win. So I think looking forward to the rest of the season, you know, some of the things that I talked about in the soccer preview, I think they've got some. Uh, they need to work on a little bit more on the passing, and I think they're starting to really really improve in that area. I think they're going to surprise more people in Conference USA. Um, I don't know if this is a conference winning team, but I think this is a conference championship contender. Uh, contender much stronger than I think um, they've been given credit for. So they they were ranked sixth in the Conference USA. I think they're going to actually end up higher because uh, this team, um, I, I still continue to look at them and say, it's not that they, they're not flawless, but man, they hide their flaws and they do a very good job of exposing the other team's flaws. So big season coming up, I think, for them. That said, with all, with all this has happened in these first four games, they've now been ranked number six in the South region for the United Soccer Coaches regional rankings. Terrific. Again, this team, I think, is starting to really start coming together and I think they really start doing some bigger things as they continue on down the road. Now, someone that I think had a great game against... Uh, Kansas State, who also had the game-winning goal against Kansas State, was mm-hmm. Sasha Dade. She actually got the ball about the just outside the penalty area and took a beautiful shot. It's I, to me coming t- as a former soccer player and a former defender, it's one of those shots that you take, you know, right there at the corner and put it in the side netting on the opposite corner goal. When I saw her take that shot and it went in, I just brought back so many memories. I'm like, oh, I miss soccer so much, and I'm glad I'm able to watch the UTSA women do this. So 
Um, anyway, yeah, I'm going Sasha off the Day, rail there. <laughs> Conference USA Defensive Player of the Week. So, so congrats, Sasha. Great job. Um, I thought I think she's played really well. Let's talk a little bit of Conference USA Roundup. Um, the first one is uh, UTEP versus UNT. Um, look, <laughs> I continue to beat this drum, but you know, I, I think it's I continue to beat it is because I continue to get proven right about it. But UTEP is still overrated. Uh, you know, I, I think that they're they've got talent, and I think they continue to build on it. But the problem is, is that uh, Hardison is still their quarterback, and Hardison his inaccuracy is what really separates them from being, I think. A much better team. I saw quite a bit of throws during their game where I was like, Frank make the, makes those throws. Like mm-hmm. those are those are throws on slants that Frank hits our receivers, and it's got nothing to do with the receivers. It's about where Frank places the ball. Hardison just cannot place the ball effectively, or I should say, consistently. But really, it's really effectively because there are just so many passes that he misses and you know I, I think that that's where UTEP is going to struggle and I think they come back down to earth this year, season so let me ask you this question because there was a lot of very positive feedback about North Texas based on this game and the result is North Texas really that good or is it that UTEP is that bad I think actually North Texas is much better than we're giving them credit for okay and I say that because they're not hurting themselves they may not do it pretty they may not do it very flashy like the Mason Fine years, but you know, the real question is, and I think Trailer has talked about this before, is do you want to win pretty or do you just want to win? Mm-hmm. Any coach is going to take, just win. And I don't think this is how Latrell really wants to be playing, but he's got a quarterback that's effective. He's got a running game that's bruising. He's got a physical team on offense. He's got a good defense. You know, I made fun of Phil Bennett last season. I kept saying... Because he always wears shorts on the sidelines. <laughs> I mean, short. it's weird. Yeah. It was, yes. Thank you. And so I, I always thought, like, really? Like, your defense coordinator is wearing shorts? You know, he, he looks like he's he's just hanging out, like, one of just one of the fans. Like, the old uh, alum that's just hanging out on the sidelines, going, like, back in my day, and just, like, banging <laughs> a football around. He's really done a great job with his defense. They lost some par- some pieces this season, and yet... I get that it's only UTEP and that I've kind of just talked about how UTEP is overrated, but they took apart a good UTEP defense. UTEP is supposed to have a really good defense and and (laughs) they were taken apart. And then uh, offensively, you know, Phil Bennett did his job in the other games. uh, Western Kentucky looked average against against, uh, an FCS team. Uh, we, We were able to see most of the game, but they just didn't, it's not Bailey Zappi. So this, idea that it's zappy 2.0 get that out the window because it's not yeah i mean the quarterback's good but again he's not as good as bailey zappy so right so i i think you just can't expect the same production like they did and then charlotte and fau i didn't really get a chance to see much of it but fau looked pretty good um perry um the um fau quarterback i thought it sounded like he just played a really good game yeah they were you know it was supposed to be a game that was more balanced. In the first part of the game, Charlotte played well, and then they just absolutely fell apart. Um, but again, the quarterback for FAU definitely looked like he had improved his play from last season. And, and I think that this is where, you know, we bring up these last two games because I think that they're going to switch here. Everybody's been talking about Western Kentucky being, one, being like number three here in, in Conference USA, but I think FAU is going to end up challenging. Yeah. I also think North Texas is going to challenge. So... You know, where does that drop 
you know, Western Kentucky, I think it drops them back a little bit further. I think FAU and North Texas are going to be the teams to watch out uh, for this season. And I say that because every year there's always a surprise team in Conference USA, right? Mm -hmm. You know, UTSA kind of was that last season. I think North Texas and FAU are going to be contenders for that this season. So got to watch out for UAB and UTSA here. I think um, just keep an eye on those other two teams. Yeah, and then finally, um, the roster cuts hit today for the NFL. Um, there were four Roadrunners who made that final roster cut, and three of the four are expected to start. Kevin Strong is returning on the Titans, Marcus Davenport with the Saints, Spencer Burford with the 49ers, and then Tariq Woolen with the Seahawks. The other guys who you know were cut during this last um, roster cut Several of them are likely to make practice squads, so, you know, kind of watch Twitter over the next couple of days. You may see the Leroy Watson, Clarence Hicks, Charles Wiley get picked up on the practice squad, at least likely two out of the three. Eric Banks apparently is injured, so it's unlikely to see him um, end up on a practice squad right away, just depending on, you know, what that injury is. But still for those guys that got cut... You know, if you look at Kevin Strong, he was kind of back and forth those first couple of years on the practice squad and then on the active roster. So still promise for them, but definitely expect to see four roadrunners in the NFL playing those first game in two weeks. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for the Hail Married podcast. I'm Atos. I'm Toves. We'll be back to recap what we hope is the upset victory over Houston next week. Birds up. (laughs) 